no, it's not going to just be Aragorn because he's just descended of Arathorn, who's descended of Isildur. <laughs> oh my God, you are you such a nerd. Names. I don't. Do you know what? I've never read any Tolkien. Don't don't start. It's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a great writer. Um, we're off topic. The point is. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rebecca Cohen. And I'm Maya Grant. And this is The Sauce, the culture and politics podcast where we drink cocktails and ruin the stuff you love. Lizzie in a box. Lizzie in a box. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> You're not Irish. <laughs> I don't know if you get to lay claim to that. But yes, listeners, this episode's not going to be specifically about Queen Elizabeth, but in the wake of the Queen's wake do they have wakes in england i don't know there aren't wakes for catholics isn't that a catholic thing yes you're right regardless in the aftermath of the passing of queen elizabeth we want to talk a little bit about um the royals and royalty in general in american culture Mm-hmm. before we get into this topic which i think is going to be kind of fun and interesting we should check in with each other Maya, I see that you're drinking something. It looks like coffee because it's the AM. I'm going to hope it's spiked with something, but I have low expectations. How are you doing, Maya? And what are you drinking? It is some royal blend tea from Fortnum and Mason's. Fancy. Very I appropriate have for the That's topic. what I'm saying. I even have my little <laughs> you tea have strainer. From and Fortnum and Masons and a Can teapot. I tell you, I, I hope I haven't shared this anecdote in the past, <laughs> but um, at the risk of repeating myself, when I studied abroad in England my junior year in college, when I showed up at the university housing, it was like a flat with uh, several rooms for like five different young women. And my room had in it, you know, like a bed with a mattress, no sheets or bedding or anything, uh, a desk. And a little set of uh, basic needs, because there's a kitchen in the flat and everything. So there was like a fork, knife, spoon, a plate, a bowl, a teapot, and an egg cup. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't not have a teapot. Basic needs. Yeah. Sheets and a pillowcase. Whatever. You can figure that out. You'll figure that out. But an, an egg, egg cup. cup. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm doing good. We had a, a wild week of seeing things. I got to see the queen sorceress Patty Smith oh, out awesome. in the desert. In this, there's this, there's this venue out near Joshua Tree called Pappy and Harriet's, which is like a tiny little venue. And mm -hmm. so, if you're willing to drive two hours out to the desert, you can see people like Patty Smith with like. 300 other people. <laughs> wow. It was amazing. And I have to say, that woman is 75 years old and she is a sorceress. Her voice sounds amazing. Her That's voice sounds wonderful. like, you know, like I love, you know, I have a passionate love for Dolly Parton, but she doesn't sound as good as she used to because she's old. You know she's what I mean? Older. Patty is like, does not have that problem. She sounds amazing. And then I went to a punk rock show on Friday night to see the band McCluskey, who I love very much, uh, and they're on tour again. And um, a guy was, I was right in the front row, and a guy in front of the bassist, who was really fucking hot, and a guy stage dove off the front <laughs> of the stage and just like whacked me in the face. Um, but it was a great show. And I don't, the bruises don't show, which is good. And then, no, you uh, want the bruises to show. That's why you go to a punk show. You, you gotta right. have the scars. Well, my parents to show were for visiting it. the next day, and I don't think it's good when your family shows up and you have bruises on your face, and you're like, no, I was at a punk rock show. Anyway, right. and then uh, last night, we went to, we have season tickets to LA Football Club, to LAFC, and we went, and it was Latin America Heritage Appreciation Night. And mm -hmm. so they had an all-female mariachi band. And it <gasps> That's was... That's exciting. It was fucking rad. It was outstanding. The whole... This whole past week in terms of being out in the world, no notes. 100%. That's great. 
Well, I'm glad that you are getting out and doing so many fun things. Yeah. I feel like that's going to be this coming week for me. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, tomorrow, our mutual friend, Guy Branham, friend of the show, Guy Branham, uh, has invited me and Matt to join him at the premiere of his movie, Bros, nice. in New York. Yeah. So I'm super excited about that. Do you have a premiere outfit? <laughs> Oh, yes. This was a whole conversation I had with Guy. Because I was like, okay, what what do people wear? And he's like, well, it's a movie premiere. Do you want to look like a development exec, a writer, an actress? Like, you know, give me some guidance on how you want to present. And I was like, I guess a writer, but I'm too stylish for that. Like, that's never going to fly. And there was some back and forth. And finally, I was like, you know, I do have a sequin jumpsuit <gasps> yes and he's like that is the correct answer that is the only so, answer only answer the correct plan is the sequin jumpsuit which i'm excited to wear because it was an early pandemic purchase it was like i bought it off h&m for somewhere between 12 and 18 dollars i don't remember exactly because it was on clearance and i rarely have had occasion to wear it in any actual public setting in fact i've never worn it outside the apartment so i'm super excited to wear that's it fucking great yeah and then like two days after that some friends are getting married they're coming into new york to do yeah like a a small wedding but you know they're gonna have dinner after and all that so it's gonna be a pretty full week of fun activities i love that and i i shouldn't tell people this but i should so i've started making comics again finally <gasps> Yeah, after don't have to gasp with so much shock. No, but, it's it's a gasp of joy and and support. <laughs> I just want to be very supportive. I appreciate it. I I started writing some Gyno Star comics and I've started penciling them. And the reason I don't want to say it is because I'm like, what if I don't follow through? What if I what if I don't actually make them? I shouldn't tell people I'm making them. On the other hand, if I tell people I'm making them, then I have to. Yes. It actually creates external motivation, which might actually help me get them done. So I'm putting it out there. I'm hoping to get the first one up this week. The first Gynostar strip in yes. a few years now. So. Fuck yes. And we need her now more than fucking ever. <laughs> Jesus God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Some things have been happening. Yeah. Okay, let's let's get to our main topic. Oh, my God. I really want to talk about this. We're going to talk about royalty in American culture. A little bit of background so you can understand sort of our thought process here. Yes. Uh, as I'm sure listeners you know, unless you live under a rock, which no judgment if you do, but... <clears throat> or maybe you just don't care. Maybe you just don't care. In which case, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you just don't care. Queen Elizabeth II uh, died, final, finally. And, you know, the world reacted in various ways. And among the reactions was a certain amount of celebration from Irish people, black people of different nationalities, uh, Indian people, many folks, people of color, uh, people from places that had or have been colonized mm -hmm. by England, mm -hmm. by the UK, um, and descendants of folks from those countries. And among the sentiments being expressed, one was uh, that those who were being very respectful about the Queen's death were maybe subscribing to a Disney idea of monarchy or a fairy tale idea of monarchy that ignores imperialism, the imperialistic and very oppressive and damaging history, real history of the British monarchy. I, and also real history within living memory. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, no, no, when not I like say history, I don't 500 years ago, mean, we're talking, yeah. it's like not yeah, that yeah, long yeah, ago. No, yeah. We're talking about this queen, th yeah, this actual this one, queen. This actual it, one, yeah. Actively participating. And her dad, like not so, yeah. like right yeah. now. Mm -hmm. So um, that that is the thing that got me thinking really about, just about this Disneyfication of monarchy, the fairy tale idea of monarchy, how it relates to our perception of the British royals. But just generally, this thing occurred to me. This is America, our whole founding narrative. The narrative that we tell our kids from like third grade onwards and we celebrate on the 4th of July every year and it's just like intrinsic to our whole national identity 
is that we threw off the tyranny of monarchy. We threw off the shackles of monarchy, right? We We rejected (sighs) that. We don't like that. We don't approve of that. So why the fuck do we love kings and queens and princesses so much in our in our fiction and in and reality. what is it with with Americans who are so defensive of this dead old lady yeah and and so like now is not the appropriate time well when right. is the appropriate fucking time like yeah now is the time to talk about right. this the, the whole like she's someone's grandmother it's like I, I'm just I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna say that imperialist atrocities trump being someone's grandmother yeah I'm just that's huge. my opinion on that huge you know stalin yeah. was somebody's grandpa too like <laughs> exactly. you know what i mean like, exactly. it has nothing to do with anything oh you mean her grandchildren who are going to inherit her, the billions of dollars that her guilt and crimes aside i really want to talk about this question of how americans depict monarchy the real royals and even more so, like fictionalizations of the royals and fictional, okay. like fairy tale royals. Well, when it comes to f- fiction, I think w- I want to start with the fantasy, which is specifically like the princess diaries. Like, yes, this this character played by Anne Hathaway, who's kind of awkward and whatever. It's like a makeover movie, right? Yes, it but is the makeover right. is that she's really a British princess. And there is something about that fantasy, that specific fantasy that I feel like is the is okay. the So I want to call your attention back to the the comic book The Sandman. Yes. And the Game of You storyline. Yes. This is a spoiler for anyone who hasn't read it a little bit. But one of the characters makes mention of the idea that little boys' fantasies are that they only appear weak to the outside world, but really they're superheroes, right? The world sees them as Peter Parker, but really they're Spider-Man. The world sees them as Clark Kent, but really Superman. But girls' fantasies are that they are secretly princesses. Yes. That they have been switched, right? And In the cradle. And their parents aren't their parents. And the reality is like the princess diaries. You're going to find out that in truth, you are this princess. And that is a huge huge narrative and actually it also there are all of these movies about you know regular girls falling in love with princes which is also goes back to fairy tales like old fairy tales like yes well here's why i think we kind of have to talk about disney movies okay and the disney princess uh and and this could be a whole episode topic on its own it it might have to be at some point yeah right um Mm -hmm. in fact uh, my senior year in college, I wrote my senior honors thesis about Disney princess movies. Because <laughs> I majored in movies. So good. Uh, at the time, this is a long time ago, there were fewer of them. A lot of them didn't exist yet because it was only like the 90s. Right. But one of the elements of my basic premise of my argument was that the Disney princess narrative is the American dream narrative for girls. The essential American story that we love to tell ourselves and that we think embodies who we are as a nation and that is supposed to drive each and every individual American in their lives is the American dream that whoever you are, wherever you come from, no matter how humble, you can work your way up to the halls of wealth and power. You can make something of yourself, whatever your dream may be. But not if you're a girl. Yeah. If you're yeah. a girl, you can be beautiful. Yes. And a good homemaker, like if you're uh, Cinderella or Snow White. And eventually, you will marry rich. You will marry into wealth and power. Correct. And that is Correct. the American dream for girls. So in a way, it is very American. Yes. Because it is about someone from humble beginnings who is an underdog Uh, making something of themselves. But the path toward doing that is so specifically uh, through passivity. I know some of the latter day films, the heroines are less passive, but I'm I'm not going to get into. No, they're they're less passive in in kind of a brief, brief way. Like it's not. I know, like it depends on the film. Sometimes they are, um, 
more agents in their own story and sometimes less. And I'm, I want to give them credit. It's not like it was. Like, The Little Mermaid was probably the last one that was really of this mold. Where they were like, she's headstrong and has personality, but also gets rescued in the end by a man. Well, no, but I actually after. feel like my my favorite in that, because I actually felt like it was building from The Little Mermaid to the point where in Hercules, the heroine is actually dead in the climax of Good and Evil. Like, it's just that, like, <laughs> she's so enforced into passivity that she's actually fucking dead. That's and really she gets, you know, but I feel like... Oh, with- I, I should say Beauty and the Beast also, she's pretty passive when yeah. it comes down to it yeah that one also counts but the point is the point no but the point of that all we of this, love the marrying into wealth thing <laughs> we love the marrying into the wealth thing or discovering the wealth thing and it's not just wealth it's royal wealth like there's yes. a particular patina of being nobility and again if you go back to you know fairy stories and fairy tales there's a lot of this where it's like she was she was switched out of the cradle or she was born into nobility and then the stepmother sent her away and she grew up natural in the woods like just a a peasant girl (laughs) but then she's really a queen i mean that's that's very much in western culture even something oh sleeping beauty does it giselle in the ballet giselle like yeah you, you see that more though i think in these live action movies that are sort of tween oriented or aimed at that audience like princess diaries and its sequels i also vaguely remember an amanda Bynes movie where she finds out that like colin firth is her father and i don't remember if he's actually a prince or king or they're just like they're just like aristocrats but it's very much like i'm a plucky american girl i never really knew my dad and what he's the king (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. And and a huge part of those films are like the plucky American girl learning how to do it. Like learning how to right. like drink your tea properly. Got to balance the books on her head. She's, she's going to have a yeah. full makeover. Like it's going to turn her from this ugly duckling to a swan. Like that's very right. much or this that- crass, crude American girl who plays sports and or reads books and she's going to become an elegant and refined or the humor will come from the fish out of water as she tries to become this elegant and refined royal and you know what what set of movies i actually think totally goes with this because i think this is actually peak of what it is is twilight i know that (gasps) Interesting. It's not royalty, it's vampires, but hear me out. Uh, No, I am willing to. So the thing about Twilight is that it's all about this main female character. And I'm talking about in the books that I remember like reading, like, what the fuck is this? In the books, this character, there's actually nothing special about her. She's in any way, like, it's not like a lot of the movies where it's like, but really deep down, she's super smart. She's super this and that. And then she sort of gets rewarded in some kind of weird way by this access to this power. No, no. her only character trait at all in the books is that she's clumsy. Her only character trait at all in the books is that she smells like, like really delicious, delicious food like the best to a thing. vampire. Like yeah. this vampire really wants to fucking eat her. Like that is the only thing. And so it's almost this way of saying to girls, like you don't have to work so hard. You can be special just by being your kind of lame, not very interesting self. And it's just who you are. You don't even know it. It's who yeah, you, you are. Yeah, you don't even have to have a special quality or do any special thing. No, it's it's actually the savior of mediocrity. Like yeah. you get to just be the lamest mediocre person, but somehow you smell like delicious food for this vampire who really wants to eat you and then he's going to fall in but, love with you and then you'll then become he falls a vampire. In love with you. But, but then you'll become a vampire and be eternal goddess or whatever. Like it's right. the same. It's like you can just be so regular. So regular. And then you get sort of pulled into this very special world and the world is what determines you being special. But you don't have to be special. But that's the essential princess fantasy. Yes. Is that I I am 
unextraordinary. I am ordinary, but not really. And yeah, but I get your point. It's the the not realiness is not I have a spark of something inside me. I am a genius. I'm a talent. It's I am by birth and heredity entitled to a position or luck and somebody falls in love with me. But this and and then the royalty itself is this real reward. And we're going to get to this later. But I think that's why the Meghan Markle thing was kind of huge because she was just an American girl. And even Kate Middleton, like she was just, she wasn't, she was a commoner. And there was this thing where, oh, you got chosen, you got selected, and now you're in this rarefied, elevated world. Even with Diana, there was like, you know, she she was from a, I guess, an aristocratic family. But yeah, even I I remember as a kid, (laughs) there was this idea of her like, being chosen because everyone was like oh who's charles gonna pick who's charles gonna pick like it's like the bachelor you know proto bachelor uh but uh moving on from specifically disney and princess narratives uh another place where we see a lot of royalty in american popular culture and popular culture that americans like to consume is uh in fantasy high fantasy it's almost always about kings and queens. And I find that kind of interesting. Well, and that's what I was about to say. These women are, they were chosen to be part of this elevated world. And it's elevated because it has wealth and power. But there isn't this kind of like, but maybe that kind of wealth and power is corrupt and disgusting. Like there's right. none of that. And it's and that pulls over into fantasy. It's about kings and queens. It's this world where you get to be in this world of unlimited wealth and power. Well, if you look at the Lord of the Rings as being this foundational text of high fantasy in a lot Absolutely. of ways. Right? Absolutely. Right? It is the thing that everything mm-hmm. else is based on or inspired by in Very some much way, so. right? Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to do any reading of the book or movies that is in any way critical of uh, inherited power of, of monarchy. Like the whole plot of the fucking Lord of the Rings is that Aragorn, because of his bloodline, is the real king of men, right? Yeah. He's descended of the kings. And even though he's a ra- he's a humble ranger... Just running around being handsome and rugged and doing right. his ranger shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gonna take up that mantle and he's gonna sit on that fucking throne because that's his job. Like yeah. he has to, and that's good. That's what we want. That is the signal that everything is right again with the world. Yeah. It's not it's not a steward on the throne of Gondor anymore. It is the proper king. Yes. Yes. And there's no questioning of that in, I think, any of the Lord of the Rings materials, right? It's taken for granted. And even in this this new show, The Rings of Power, which I know you haven't watched, uh, there. but there's also like a character who's secretly descended of kings. And it's, it's just very much like we need him to help his people because they couldn't like elect a new king and then get on with things. No, it has to be the guy whose yes. ancestors were the king. Yes. He's just got the special spark. He is the one. And so much of fantasy just takes this idea for granted that there is royalty and not only that they exist, but that they uh they are good. You know, yes. there can be bad kings and queens, of course, but that the institution is fundamentally good or right and should not be overturned or messed with. Well, and I think that when you're looking at Lord of the Rings, and it's also very interesting, and I want to start weaving this in, that there is so much rage at the idea of any of these characters being people of color. Right. (laughs) Right? Like, that America, like, I think this is of a piece. Like, (laughs) like, the Lord of the Rings cannot have Black and Asian people in it and also we need to be super respectful of the queen i mean it's all about (laughs) those things are not totally separate (laughs) setting these are not separate these things are about setting these boundaries and elevating and naturalizing power like that we are going to make power 
we're going to make it normal. We're not going to say this is like constructed bullshit. We're going to be like, this is just the way it is. This is the way it should be. And I think one of the things that's really interesting to me about that is how much um, the thing that I was thinking of in terms of recent historical fiction is, uh, which is all princess fantasy, is Bridgerton. Bridgerton is based on romance novels, which traffic in this shit all the time. Yes. Um, it's always some duke or some duchess and some woman who's lost her family fortune and she's a virgin <laughs> and like the whole, right, I mean, right, reinstantiates right. that over and over again. But Bridgerton is trying to have it all ways because it's trying to be this royal whatever, except there are people of color in it. And right. then they're even trying to make it like talking about class and it's like yeah but the fantasy falls apart the second that you put class into it like the center cannot hold and clearly what you're the most devoted to is this world of wealth and money and ease in that way where the pretty things that the kind of exploitation of royalty can have Mm -hmm. are worth all of the exploitation like right. the trappings justify the political structure. And I think that that's huge in all of this. It's not just a worship of wealth. It's, it's what wealth can make happen. And, and it's about like luxury goods and about having your hand on that. And the trappings and all of the beautiful rules and the way that people dance and the way that their hair is. Well, I think that's a really good point, actually. Um, And as we're talking about it, I'm sort of realizing Bridgerton and the sort of Princess Diaries type movies and the Disney princess stuff, they kind of fall into a category of women's fiction around royalty. Whereas Lord of the Rings and high fantasy, though obviously many women enjoy them, are sort of culturally generally categorized as being more things men enjoy. Right. And so you, there's like two different takes here. And there's obviously overlap, yes. uh, both in the gender of the audiences, but also in what they're saying about royalty. Yes. But uh, so much of the Disney princesses, the Princess Diaries, the Bridgerton thing is it's about the, they've got to have there's always got to be courtly dancing right yes they have to wear these fucking gowns and they have to do these dances where they barely touch hands and they yes. line up and, yes and there's maybe harpsichords there's a lot of visual elements that we love to see and and it is all around the idea of of wealth and the beauty that is enabled by all of this wealth the loveliness of it and the courtliness of it Yes. You don't see as much of that stuff in the actual, like, fantasy things. No. Um, Or, like, in Game of Thrones. Well, also because it's interesting because uh, the women's stories have a lot of hot sex and the men's stories have a lot of rape. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. (laughs) That is... That is so true, but I also think it kind of goes to like that. For the women, you've got to be a sexually appealing partner. That's how you get into a right. position of power. That's right, and so it has to be justified in the narrative. And like once, but once you do that, this guy's gonna fuck you so good. Oh yeah, that's the more mature. That's like you, you graduate from the like young girl's princess fantasy of I'm going to get to wear beautiful dresses because I was pretty enough for the prince to pick me to the like I'm going to get to wear beautiful dresses and then he's going to fuck me real good yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah, I mean that's a grown up version but it's and it's this way of trying to say like turning yourself into an object comes with its own rewards (laughs) yes right (laughs) it's true Um, and and (laughs) Game of Thrones is an interesting contrast i think though to something like lord of the rings in that lord of the rings carries with it this just like deep deep essential attachment to to classism yes in in this very real way where like the humble folks like the hobbits can be good they are good and fine and they're happy they're happy with their humble hobbit lives they just want to farm and you know smoke their hobbit weed or whatever they're fine right but um But things aren't going to be right unless the appropriate and correct monarch is on the correct throne amongst the elves, amongst the men, and all of this stuff. 
then in Game of Thrones, you have an acknowledgement of the ownership of the throne, the right to the throne being not an inherent part of your genetic lineage, like your innate qualities, right? It's literally, it's called Game of Thrones. It's about playing this game uh, in an attempt to to capture the power of the throne and all that that represents. Well, and it's also about a lot of different people fighting over like whether they are the ones who deserve the power. Like that's very much a huge part of it is the people yeah. thinking that they have been gifted by God to do it. Right. And like, that, that's that a lot ordained. of, but yeah. I, I, I think that, that, I mean, in my reading of the show, which is, you know, it's not a complicated show that takes like a, a lot of degrees in cinema studies to pull no. apart. No. But uh, it, it seems like the, the characters are, um, willing to accept whatever justification will allow them to make that claim. Yes. Will allow them to have power. Will we'll yes. allow them to have power. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The show is not weighing in on um, whose claim is more valid than whose. Daenerys yes. uh, has her claim because she's a Targaryen and has dragons. And, you know, Stannis has his claim because of uh, being a Baratheon. And, like, everybody has their their uh, justifications, whether sincerely held because they think that their God right. ordained them or cynically held because they just need an excuse. Yes. You have yes. like Marjorie Tyrell yes. being like, I just want to be queen. I want to yeah. be the queen. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the show is not interested in who's correct. There is no correct monarch in this case. The, right. The throne exists physically in space as this symbol of yes. this thing they want that everyone is vying for. It is yes. like like succession, right? Yes. Like the show succession. It is a story about people's machinations and rivalries and, and attempts to capture that seat of power. Yes. I just think that's very interesting how much Americans embrace a narrative like that because it is making no attempt to um, justify monarchy, suggest that monarchy is good as an institution. It takes it for granted as like, this is how it is. This is the situation. One person, one individual is going to have all the power. It's a soap opera. It's yeah. a drama. It's like, yeah. ooh, who is it going to be? Who's going to be? It's and a reality we, show, but not and reality. And who do we like this week? There exactly. is a big stretch where everybody loves Daenerys, but actually she might be a crazy fucking bitch. Like, yeah, mm. huge, huge. Yeah. yeah. But I think there is this thing where at the end of the day, it's not like there's going to be a new political system where there is no king. Well... Daenerys does give a lot of lip service to that. She, yeah. She but, says that she's going to break the wheel. She sees right. this wheel turning. And yeah. Everybody, and she, everybody says they're going to break the wheel. <laughs> you know, once they right. actually have their hand on the fucking wheel, they don't break yeah, the wheel. And she just burns everything to the ground. Right. For reasons. That, but I think that that's the thing with all of these shows, though. At the end of the day, we're so obsessed with where does that power go? Because maybe we know ultimately power does impact our lives, like who has their hands on it. And by looking at this this uh, soap opera, we can kind of participate in that, even though we're just lowly peons. But here's the thing that makes me want to actually bring it to the real royals. The British monarchy does not have political power. What is right. this fucking right. fantasy about? Like, I, I get I get Game of Thrones because you're like, power, the workings of power, how people fight over it. Ooh. But then you're like Bridgerton or whatever, or Disney princesses. What the fuck, man? Well, I think that's part of it, if I may. I think part of the reason we're able to indulge in these fantasies is because we think of royalty as just being this symbolic position. Even in Game of Thrones, we know that the king or queen has great power, but how much time does the show spend on looking at how the policies of the king and queen really affect the people of yeah. uh, Westeros yeah. or whatever? Yeah. Like, minimally i'm not going to say it's not even touched on but like it's much more about 
the soap opera of these people who are already in positions of great wealth and influence. Yes. Who's going to have the most wealth and influence. And it, it is almost more just about their rivalry than even what they will obtain if they win the rivalry. Like, what will they yes. do with that power? Who cares? Like, will they be a benevolent ruler? Will they be enlightened? Will they be a despot? Like, who cares? It's about, it's about the battle for it. That's the fun of it. And I think we're able to have that fun because deep down inside, we don't really think of a monarch as being a powerful figure. Uh, Even though in our history, as a nation, the monarch is the powerful figure we rebelled against. It should be the symbol of tyranny, but it's the opposite of that. It's just like, wouldn't it be fun to sit on a throne and wear a crown and all this stuff? So like you were saying, it does bring us to the topic of the actual British royals. And and the sort of weird defensiveness where instead of thinking about what it means to have people with that much wealth, people are like, how dare you talk about imperialism right now? Like, whoa, we live in America. Like, seriously? Like, what is this weird thing that it brings out in people? It's wild, right? I mean, part of that, I think, has so much to do with America's relationship to imperialism, though I don't think I want to get into that right this moment. Okay. Maybe we can circle okay. back to that. But um, I constantly think back to my year abroad when I was in England, which I mentioned at the top of the show. Yes. Visiting the Tower of London. You've been to the Tower of London. Right? Yes. And there's the part of it where you can see the crown jewels, mm -hmm. the ill-gotten gains of yes. empire. Yes. And um, I recall there being a video of the coronation, Queen Elizabeth's coronation being played on a loop. Oh, my and God. And I remember as a young woman watching that and having this sort of realization of like how this pomp and ceremony it plays an important role in a culture. People do need ritual. They do need to feel like there are bigger things than they are. Okay. And okay. in the United States, because we never had royalty, we rejected royalty, and we have elected officials who rotate every few years, right? Right. Uh, we don't have an individual who plays that role. Okay. So we have symbolism. We have the flag. You know, the American Eagle, the presidential seal. We have some rituals around those things. Okay. But that's kind of our version of monarchy. Like, I, I do think there's a role. I think people need symbols. And the queen or rather the, the royal family, the monarchy, plays that kind of symbolic role. Now, obviously, I am divorcing this from the literal role that they have played and the uh, logistical, practical concerns around their wealth and right. their funding and right. all of this stuff. I'm just saying I do think I can understand the desire for that kind of grandiosity, grandness. And I can see how Americans might even look at that longingly because we don't really have that in that way. I also want to add another quick anecdote from when I was in England. Uh, the Queen was touring America at some point in the mid-90s. Okay. And I remember being in England, watching the news, and they were covering how the U.S. media was covering the Queen's visit. And they played a clip from... Either one of like the morning shows, like a Good Morning America thing, or maybe some local news broadcast somewhere. I don't remember. It was a very long time ago. But what I remember and will never forget is it was a clip of the broadcaster explaining to the audience, you know, how to behave if they see the queen. If she should, okay. should come out of her motorcade and greet them or whatever, here's what you should okay. do. And there was a list of things. And one of the things they said was, do not bow to the queen americans bow to no one and wow that's why it was getting played on british tv because oh, we thought that was I fucking funny it. that's fantastic <laughs> americans bow to bow no to one. no one but wow how interesting that this 
whatever news broadcast it was felt it necessary to remind Americans <laughs> that they don't have to bow, <laughs> that we don't pay field wow. to. Wow. <laughs> yes. But hey, guys, it's just a reminder, thing. remember, that's the yeah, Constitution. That's, the that's whole a whole thing. fucking thing. It's like, yeah, we, we don't do that. Don't suck up to that shit, guys. Come on now. Come on. But obviously, a lot of oh Americans feel very attached to those rituals and symbols and all of that pomp and circumstance. Well, okay. So Americans do. While at the same time, I feel like that must be part of this rage towards Meghan Markle. Like, like mm. there's this way that people are losing their ever-loving minds over this woman because she's a grown woman with her own life and mm -hmm. with fully her own life and career when she met Harry. Harry. They fell in love, they got married, and in a lot of ways, she is our princess fantasy. She's a regular girl, I mean, an exquisitely gorgeous and, like, talented yeah, and accomplished yeah, regular yeah. girl with a whole fucking life as an actor, um, who's brought into this princess world. But then she's articulating for this young man who lost his mother to the insanity of yeah. Whatever this yeah. is. Uh, oh, you know what? You don't have to live this way, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you don't, we don't have to do this. Like, there's a whole other way to live, and we can go to America where we don't have to live like this. Um, and people lose their minds over it because they bring to the surface the way that the fantasy is actually full of ugliness oh, and yeah. it's horrible. And no, no sane person would ever find this worthwhile because living through it in a day-to-day -day way is so fucking gross. And there was this one little piece of footage that just was out that sort of went viral of King Char now King Charles signing something and the pens leaking and all of these people are kind of like, oh, yes, sir. And he's like, oh, I wrote the wrong date. And he's so gross. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, this is the grossness that comes with power. It's yeah. gross. Like collecting all that power and having these rooms. I mean, he's like, like inbred 80-year-old man who spent his entire life just waiting for his mother to die so he could become the uh, essentially powerless king. Like, right, right. That's and pretty fucking gross. It's really gross. And they behave grossly. And they're like, probably like not nice they they can never be nice people in the way that like humans are because <laughs> they're living this life that's completely fucking bizarre yeah. and and Meghan Markle sort of articulates that into a public sphere and people lose their minds they also lose their minds because she's black and they can't Stand Wait, do you it. mean um, you see American people freaking out about me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is like part of this whole crazy, you know, like weird right wing thing. It's like, how how dare she? And you're like, you're an American. Like, Isn't it wild the, the political so breakdown weird. of the way that American conservatives want people to be more respectful of the monarchy? Like, it shouldn't work that way. Obviously, it should in the sense of it's conservative. And to be conservative is to respect old institutions unquestioningly. But to be conservative American should theoretically be to be devoted to American ideals of, like, not the monarchy, but, yeah. But then you realize the way that all of the symbols and all of the amount of time that gets put into the jewelry and the like i think the jewelry specifically in this weird way that like whenever they show uh the various princesses she's wearing this necklace that the queen lent to her from her jewels like there's the shift so that we're looking at this crown mm -hmm. and not thinking about what it means like this is there to to hypnotize us to dazzle us of course. And even without the power of the monarchy, it, they still have so much fucking money. It's unbelievable. They have money and they have 
without power, they spend their whole life into in in investing in their symbolic power. Yes. Like like I am here to be symbolically powerful. This is very important. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, like the investment in spending the rest of their life, like their job, literally how they make money, mm. is by this investment in their symbolic power. And a lot of the symbolic power is about nostalgia. Like when you go to England, like you can go to the grounds and spend your day there and buy a ticket. And the royal family gets 25% of that ticket price. Like they make money, they actually, their income, their income is on this performance of nostalgia. Of this, this symbolic role, Which yeah. they kind of believe in, which they do believe in. But even if they didn't, they would cynically perform it because literally they make money on ticket sales. Okay, so what one thing I want to talk about in regard to the real royal family is the fictionalizations of their lives and exploits that we see. Yes, because there've been a lot, especially yeah. recently. Um, I mean, we saw there was the movie The Queen a few years ago, oh, which was it's about so good. the Queen, Queen Elizabeth II. It was right? about it was Helen Mirren playing Queen Elizabeth II, and it was about Diana's death and how all of these uh, horrible royals don't want to acknowledge her death. And don't want to acknowledge that people really love Diana and them having to figure out that in this modern like time, they actually have to pretend like they give a shit that this person that they don't give a shit died, died. Oh. And it's really about this conversation between the queen and Tony Blair and Tony Blair completely sort of going with the people in terms of right. their, their mourning of Princess Diana. And then this sort of horrible royal family being like, oh, I guess if we want the people to still give a shit about us, we have to pretend <laughs> yeah. that we're That's mourning this lady. It's a great movie. Oh, it's a it's a very brilliant okay. movie. But then we also have the TV show The Crown, oh, which God. is also about Queen Elizabeth II, right? It is, except, and we've talked about this when we talked about succession. I feel like The Crown, even though I think the royal family doesn't like it because they it talks about the affairs and it has all of the soap opera stuff like, oh, you know, royals, they're just like us. They have affairs and eating disorders. But I feel like they it does what another movie that you brought up, The King's Speech, does, which is it sort of tries to insert her at history at these key points. Like at these key points, this way that Elizabeth behaved actually had this massive political impact. Like they matter. And oh, and they sort so of interesting. balance the they matterness with the like celebrities they just like us and they fall in love with people who aren't their spouses and blah blah blah, but it's really about and this you know why I hate Succession is that by having to be in this story and say like oh when she gave the speech it mattered, you're making us care about these people, and I feel like that's wrong. Well, on a few different levels, and yes. I think this is also true of the. Queen, many Queen Victoria movies and TV shows that have yes. popped up for the last 10 or 20 years. Like a bunch of things about Queen Victoria. A lot of these texts, a lot of these works seem to have in common a few of these elements of like, number one, you mentioned sort of humanizing. Yes. People are getting a peek into the private lives of the royals. They want to think like, what if I were a royal? What if yes. I could be in their circle or be one of them? And it's more, it's easier to imagine when they're humanized. They're not just like totally on a pedestal, uh, totally distant. You give them full characterization and you give them yes. wants and desires and conflicts and all of that stuff. And hurt, and hurt the queen, that poor queen, her husband isn't loving her properly. And right, you're like, oh, right. because she's just like us. And I feel bad for this woman whose husband is treating her like yeah, shit. Yeah, it engenders sympathy yeah. for them, identification with them, all of that stuff. And then there's also, I thought there was a really interesting point about inserting them into history in various ways that justifies their existence as monarchs yes right it's not just them as humans that we can relate to it's very specifically like see she had an influence she's important that's right that that's actually i didn't know that because i've never seen the king's speech or watched the crown but that makes sense and that's kind of sad because it's a really uh very blatantly working to 
elevate the importance, the historical importance of these figures. Oh, yeah. And I feel like that's something that is disgusting because it's also <laughs> supposed to naturalize that now. And it continues through Charles and Diana. And like, we're supposed to, even when it says, oh, these people kind of suck and we'll show you a little bit how they suck. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, there isn't any like, you know, guys, we don't have to do this, right? <laughs> like, right, right. No, that never happens. That, that does not happen. Yeah. And um, the final thing that I'm noting is in a lot of these more contemporary depictions of the actual royals is that soap opera element, not in terms of uh, who's having affairs, but kind of that Game of thrones -y thing, like the behind the scenes of the crown. Yep. The people um, manipulating and playing some kind of game of power and rivalries. Oh, yeah. And all of that stuff is often present in these. Very much so. Very much so. Okay. So what do we take from all of this? Do we have an answer to our question? Why Americans like to see royalty including the actual British royals depicted this way, when ostensibly that is everything we have rejected and are opposed to. Not just that, actually. I feel like the other question is, what is the personal offense being taken? One of the stories that I think we have to tell, uh, there is a Carnegie Mellon professor named Uju Anya, who is, uh, I believe, a historian, and she wrote about, when the queen died, she wrote about her family's Nigerian history and the British war, uh, the British role in the civil war that her family fled, that her family died, like the longtime trauma of this. Yes. She was banned from Twitter. Carnegie Mellon went online to say like, this is just this professor's opinion. It's not right. our, like... It was this huge thing. Meanwhile, conservative professors say crazy stuff and they're like, oh, academic freedom. She talks about her own family's history and this impact. She's banned from Twitter and like, it's this huge to do. So what is this investment? I can enjoy looking at people's outfits, right. but at the end right. of the day, when it comes to like, yeah, the royal family is engaged in extractive industry, imperialism, colonization in ways that were brutally violent to tens of millions of people in various nations. There's no part of me that's like, oh, but that gets in the way of me enjoying the jewelry. Like, no. I'm like, yeah, that's right. They, these were, and it wasn't even as far away as Africa. These are the Irish people too. <laughs> like, it's like, why are people so defensive? What is this where people are so defensive? So, that's a great question. Uh, and yeah, you even have, I think you pointed out before we recorded, the um, official Twitter account of the show Hamilton <sighs> tweeting, you know, their their condolences or whatever about the death of the queen and you know, being respectful about it. It's like, the show is Hamilton. That like, it's ham like what's like, guys? Do you know <laughs> friends? Do you know what your show is? Do you know what your show's about? Yeah. Oh, and like speaking of Broadway, right now one of the biggest hits on Broadway is the show Six, which is about the six wives of Henry VIII, right? In kind of a Hamilton esque style, right? It's a very bastardized handled Hamilton esque style, but um, right? It's a very silly show. But people love it. It's Ooh, about they love queens, it. literal queens. Yes, queens. Totally, totally. That is actually a very good summary of the show. Um, <laughs> so I guess what I keep coming back to is that when all is said and done, Americans do worship wealth and power. Yes. We maybe don't associate monarchy with tyranny, with despotism, the way we associate Stalin or other um, <laughs> communist dictators or right. or Hitler fascist right. dictators, we that is although I us, don't know if you've noticed in America Hitler's kind of getting a second chance, which yeah, is anyway he's getting a little re redemption. Or God a, a damn it! Yeah. Oh. Okay, well, 
we have our idea of what like a dictator is. We have our idea of what a loss of freedom and liberty looks like. And we have a lot of conversations going on right now in American culture about what actually constitutes loss of freedom and liberty and what Correct. freedom and liberty mean and all of that stuff. And I'm going to say there is not as much agreement across this nation as I would like uh, <laughs> as to <laughs> how liberty, uh, freedom, and democracy ought to work. Yeah. But that aside. Yeah. We do love wealth and power, and royalty just sort of stands in for that as the ultimate manifestation of especially wealth. But it's not even power, it's status. Yes. Which is different from power. Yes. In most of these narratives, all of these depictions of the real royals of the last 120 years, all of these depictions of fantasy royals and princesses and all of that we rarely ever get any attention to their actual power. Like, what can they actually do? What do they actually do? How does it affect the people who are under their rule? None of that is really part of the narrative we're interested in. We're interested in the wealth and all that goes with it and the status. Because, and that's one of the things, you can say like, like I really feel like these people are not special. Like, there's nothing special about them. Like, you decide today they're not special, and it's done. There's no, like, there's nothing about them as people. Like, they have an interesting family history. You know, like, you know, it's super crazy. My great-grandfather was blah, blah, blah. But, like, it means, it means nothing. And it actually, you know what it makes me think of is in terms of royal narratives, is that weird fantasy that people have about uh they love the story of like the lost princess Anastasia. Like oh, she yeah. was the Russian Tsarina. And then she all of a sudden, because of the communists, was just a person. Like there's something about right. that story that's like, whoa. And, well, it's super... also like this woman, this woman popped up claiming to be Anastasia. Yes. Like it couldn't be proved if she was or wasn't. And it's almost like a true crime mystery. It's like, ooh, is she, isn't she? Let's gather the evidence. But it's also like this crazy. Could she be an actual princess who's being forced to try to convince everyone that she, like, what a yeah. horror to have people disbelieve you when you are an actual princess. I feel really bad. What a it's just, nightmare. God, it's, a nightmare. it's terrible. But, but yes. Okay. So there's wealth and there's status and we love these things and we love to divorce them from anything to do with actual power or even in the cases where. It's symbolic monarchy that doesn't have actual power. We divorce it from the social realities of enormous wealth inequality, of government funding this symbolic yep. family for yep. some reason with people's tax money and all of the other ills and issues that go along with that. We don't talk about that government, stuff. Government making sure that people have have uh, blankets in line while they're waiting right. for 10 hours to queue past the queen. And right. meanwhile, so homeless people on the streets are like, tough exactly. shit, fucker. Yeah, like, tough shit. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, couldn't be a better example. I, another thing that I said I wanted to circle back to is yes. imperialism. Oh, well, let's do it. Which, of course, we've been talking about, but I mean in the context of American imperialism. Uh, we love to tell ourselves, we as a nation, that we didn't participate in that. That was not our thing. Yeah. We didn't have a Raj, so yeah, 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 we're yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. maybe there was, like, something in Cuba, a skirmish or something. But, of course, there is a long and deep history of American imperialism. And Absolutely. And you um current... A continuation of American imperialism. I mean, let's talk about like there's a there's right now Puerto Rico is getting pummeled, pummeled oh, God, by yeah. a hurricane. So yeah, let's just yeah, for real. Yeah. <laughs> and uh I think there's a weird way in which the fondness for the queen and the royal family, uh, and the uh demand for respect of them as individuals and their role and the institution of the monarchy is tied to a close identification with our white European part of our history. Yes. We may have thrown off the shackles of monarchy, but 
the folks who are saying things like this on some level don't want to throw off the idea that we are descended of England, that we are essentially, that that is the essence of America. With all the superiority yes. that that instantiates. Like, absolutely. And, um, and it's a nice way to kind of elide or gloss over the ways in which the land we are on was uh, colonized. But those of us who are of European descent, we can't identify as having been um, colonized by the crown, by the monarchy of England, even though we broke free from them. It's more like a teenager <laughs> wanting independence from parental control, but it's not a stopping identifying with that family wow. kind of thing. Wow. You know, it's so interesting in terms of the colonized. I read this beautiful article about this moment and and Meghan Markle and all of this ire that she's drawing. And it was talking about how the British monarchy would always adopt mm -hmm. certain people from the lands they colonized. And they'd be like, you're my godchild now. Look at my Indian godchild. And it mm. was a way of being like, see, you're a part of the family. But like, not really. <laughs> and also with like the most paternalistic. Oh, absolutely. Possible. Right. And I feel like that paternalism is also this huge part of it where it's not the brutality of communism, which is about like, we will break all the shit down to like, remake it anew. It's paternalism, which is just, just as violent, but people have a harder time acknowledging the violence of paternalism because you know daddy because we love yeah, daddy because patriarchy because fucking I mean, patriarchy it's like an essential essential foundational ideology okay so then quickly just one last thing one last yes. thing because we're making patriarchy speaking of patriarchy i feel like and i would like to to get real with this i feel like part of the reason people are so defensive of the patriarchy with Lizzie's death is because she was the queen and not a king. And maybe that's just because she was the queen for so long. I think there's a lot of people have these feelings of this way that like, she's been, she's been around since as long as I was alive, you know, this, right. all that kind of shit. But there's the queenness where they can't see the patriarchiness because she was a queen. Because she's a lady. Because she's 100%. a lady. I think you're absolutely right. And I think um, a lot of folks have been suggesting that she was what was holding up the monarchy, as a lot of folks in the UK have been questioning the monarchy and the need for it. And, and why are we paying these? Why is why, yeah. why are our hardworking tax dollars going to going this thing to this. that doesn't even mean anything anymore? Yeah. Right. And there's a lot of speculation that it will not survive under a King Charles. And I do remember, and maybe people still are saying, that perhaps it should skip Charles and go to the more popular William. But absolutely, her being a woman makes the whole concept more palatable and acceptable in a patriarchal society. She feels kind of harmless. A woman is kind of harmless. And a king, a King Charles or King whoever, we, we shall see how this plays out because I suspect the idea of a dude in a symbolic role who has no real power is going to make people uncomfortable. Aside from Charles making people uncomfortable because he is who he is and he's gross. Right. I think just this very idea Correct. of like, oh, hello, I'm a very, very wealthy person and, and I've been raised my entire life just to do this. People are going to feel like he's a worthless also, because Not. I'm a man, I've never had to actually like be polite yeah. in those ways. That even and I've never a woman had to queen... have a real job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or do anything like that, and and I and I don't have any power. I don't actually do anything. I'm ineffectual and pointless. So then, I think part of this moment and part of the rage, and it brings us back to like women's stories. I think we are seeing this mass explosion of Karenness. Because there's a way that white women are dangerous in a way that white men, I mean, white men are always going to be the most dangerous, but the danger of white <laughs> statistically women, speaking, statistically yes. speaking, 
That is never not the case. But where white women are so fucking dangerous is in the making palatable that which should not even be acceptable. In making white supremacy palatable through their nice flower def- decorations and their right. and their good works, you know, and their little charity events and, and all of that. But incredibly expensive dresses and hats. And That's things. right, and they're and they're so nice to the servants. You know what I mean? Like right. that, and I feel like people flipping out about that being challenged just shows you how dangerous white women are. Because you point. challenge a white woman, and people are going to flip out in this really specific way. Listeners, we want to hear what you think about the queen and what you think about these horrible, horrible people and Lizzie in a box and all of that. (laughs) We want to hear about all of that. We're into it. There is nothing you can say that is about Queen Elizabeth that we will find offensive. We we will not, I guarantee, be offended. Absolutely. Or maybe you have a reason why we should... We should be offended and and should be respecting the institution of monarchy. But hey, we're open-minded. All right. The best way to get in touch with us, always, is to go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash sauce podcast. And if you join the Patreon, you can join us on the Sauce Speakeasy, which is our Discord chat for patrons. Patrons at every level get to join, and we can talk about this or other topics, whatever you like. Whatever you like. You can also find us on the social medias, all the various social medias as at Sauce Podcast. You can email us, saucepodcast at gmail.com. If you want to get in touch with me directly, uh, I am at Gynostar on all the various platforms. And if you go to gynostar.com, at some point, there will be a new comic posted there. I can't say exactly when. And if you feel the need to personally pressure Rebecca <laughs> in her reconnection with her drawing, I really highly recommend all of that. All of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. She needs it from you. She needs I it do. from you. I need so external pressure. External pressure, very important. So we invite that from you. Um, I don't need any external pressure right now, guys. I'll be really honest with you. I just need a lot of support. Um, and you can support me by coming and visiting me at Maya Garantz, anywhere you are looking for Maya Garantz's. All right. We look forward to hearing from you, getting your pressure and or support via whichever method of contact you prefer. All right, friends. Adios, amibas. Adios, amibas.